Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I'm sharing this morning one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. You know, I'm, I, I've teached the book of Acts in Bethesda. Actually, I'm teaching it next semester um, in September. Um, but I want to share out of Acts chapter 19. And this is the, just a part of this chapter. And it's the story of the, of the planting and the birthing of the church in Ephesus, which became the most powerful church of that generation. You know, that we know the, you know, the history of the early church. It started like fire in Jerusalem, and then the fire um, fell on Antioch, and it became the epicenter of the Gentile, Gentile church world. And then the fire fell on Ephesus, and Ephesus exploded to be the largest church of that generation and affected the, 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 its region of the world in a very powerful, powerful church. Uh, but I want to go back to the to, to, to the, the generator. What generated that place? What caused it to break into such powerful life? And that, the same thing that, that caused that church to explode and become such a light and a hub of light and resource to that region of the world, Asia Minor, um, it, it can also become a, a the this, this same resource can burn like a fire in your soul and affect your life, your family, and your worlds. And uh, that's what I want to share about this one. In Acts chapter 19, it says, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, In, in what then were you baptized? So they said, Into, into John's baptism. Now I want to... We're going to stop there for just a moment. This, um, this is, you know, a powerful passage. It can be quite humorous if you think about it. The Bible calls these 12 men that were in this Bible... Just think about this. A Bible study conducted by the Apostle Paul. And he had in this Bible study 12... What Luke, the author of, of Acts, called 12 disciples. Everyone say 12 disciples. And they, you know, they had, been, um, they had been baptized in John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance from their sins. So here, the, the, the scenario that we have is you have 12 evangelical Christians that are not baptized in the Holy Ghost. These were Baptists, is what they were. They were either Baptists, or they were part of a, maybe they were part of a seeker-sensitive church in Ephesus, they, they, now, theologically, they believed in the Holy Spirit, but not the way Paul was talking about. They knew there was a Holy Spirit. John the Baptist preached about the Holy Spirit. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. These were disciples, and the Spirit of God was, was in them, but the Spirit of God was not moving upon them. There's a big difference. I want both. How about you? Not only in me, I want him on me. I want him working in me and through me and increasing in my life. That's what they didn't know about. They didn't know about this availability of the Holy Spirit. He was a doctrine to them, a theological statement, part of their creed of beliefs. But there wasn't a reality of the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit evident in their life. They did not have experiential Christianity. 
And that's rapidly what's taking place in the church world today. There's more and more of a, 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 a spin on having a correct belief system without the substance, the bang, or the power, or the presence of the Holy Ghost. We, we live in a, in, a, in a crazy world. We need the, the power, even just to live a, a Christian testimony without compromising. You have to have the power of God. There's so much temptation in the world today. It's on every TV channel. It's on every radio station. It's on every billboard. It's in every ex- relationship you run into in the world. Temptation is rampant. And without the power of God working and operating consistently in your life, your Christian testimony it will be in jeopardy. Amen. It's true. So anyway, so they have this, these guys. They didn't even know there was a, a Holy Spirit in that sense. And it goes on to, to say, um, so when they heard this, they, they had been baptized on him who was to come. Um, let's see. Verse 4, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That's on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, woo! when the apostle Paul laid his hands on them, something happened. Something moved. Has something moved in your life recently? Is what you have, is your, your belief in the Holy Spirit just a creed, a theological statement, a theological belief, something that you accept by faith? but there's no evidence of his working in your life. I'm telling you, if God is on the scene, there'll be evidence of God being on the scene. Yes, there will. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. This was the beginning of their supernatural experience. This is the beginning of the release of power on these 12 disciples in Ephesus that would become a hub of Christianity that would affect that whole region with the power of God. The Holy Spirit began to come upon them. Yeah, that's, that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's immersion into a substance that's greater than water. It's why we worship in our church. It's why we worship for extended periods of time. It's why I talk about praying in the heavenly language to get people under the the presence of the Holy Ghost and begin to experience the power of His presence on their life in a consistent way. To live godly in Christ Jesus. To be lights in this dark generation. To have courage and boldness to live your Christian testimony. And not ashamed to talk about Christ when the opportunity avails itself to us. Unashamed of the gospel by the power of God. Now this story, I love this story. It gets quite um, good. So it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. Wow, and look what happened here. And they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. All 12 of these guys, these, this was the first experience they were having with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues. And they began to prophesy. You know, I, I love the, the heavenly languages. Um, a huge part of my Christian experience. I love to pray in tongues. And one of the reasons I love to pray in tongues, because it begins to, to give me a spiritual sensitivity to the presence of God. The presence of God is is always there, but I'm not always aware. 
And I'm not always aware of his presence. He's everywhere at the whole, all the time. But as I, as I become aware of his presence, I begin to sense his presence. And I'll get a sense of his anointing on my life. And it will, it will deepen on my life as I pray in tongues. I love to pray in the Holy Spirit. I love to, to worship God in extended periods of time and, and let Him move upon me and begin to free up things in my life. And, and it begins to restore divine communication that I can begin to hear from God and I can make right decisions and spiritual decisions. And He begins to convict me of areas of my life that need to, to change as I wait in the mighty presence of the Lord. And then it says that they were, not only were they... Um, began to speak with other tongues, that they began to prophesy. They began to prophesy. They began to speak out the word of the Lord under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, prophecy can be powerful in your personal life. Paul said that, you know, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. He wanted us to all prophesy, to speak out the word of God. God the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when the presence of God is upon our life, and as we begin to hear from God, and begin to utter the word of God in our own language, it becomes powerful in our life, and it becomes powerful in the lives of the people that hear us talking. The testimony of Jesus. You know, I can think back of, of the prophecy and the role it's played in my life over and over again. One of the times is when the Lord spoke a word of prophecy over my life. In 1977, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And God spoke to me about, not, about changing the plans that I had. I was a part of a team going to Sacramento, California to start a church. And the Holy Spirit stopped me. He stopped me and he began to prophesy over my life, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And as I took time and got away with the, the elders of our, our church at the time, as we began to pray, it became very clear as we prayed together that I was to return to my hometown in New Orleans and begin to start a ministry down here. That was the, directed by a word of prophecy. It was awesome. It was, um, I, I, I think of... Um, the scripture that happened when I, when I responded to the Lord and came down to New Orleans. I, was, I drove from California to New Orleans in a borrowed car. As we were coming into the city, we were crossing the Bonnie Carey Spillway, 6 o'clock in the morning, having driven all night, and someone else was driving. I was reading my Bible, and the Lord began to speak to me from the word of the Lord. I felt the presence of God come upon me, and he said that, he said, others have labored and you're entering into your labors. I've sent you to harvest, he said. Others have labored, and you're entering into their labors. It was a word of prophecy from the Lord. So I think of, of back in 1998, beginning of, 90, beginning of 1999, the Lord began to speak to us from the word of the Lord in Luke chapter 5. Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Launch out into the deep places of the Holy Ghost and let, let down your nets. Let down your nets for, for a harvest. And the Lord spoke to us a few months after that about what those nets were to start a production based on Columbine and begin to let out the nets. And as we honored the Lord, He spoke to us and began to, 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 he began to confirm to us that this was, this was the will of the Lord. And we began to see supernatural altar calls that have taken place. You know, can you imagine? Who would have thought in October of 1999 we were doing that first production that is, we would continue this thing for 16 years and give out over 70,000 salvation books to people that answer the altar calls. Unthinkable. 
You know, you, you, you can go. I was talking to a minister that was here Friday night, and he was telling me there are, there are churches all throughout the New Orleans area that have many people that were saved at Beyond the Grave. This region has been affected by Beyond the Grave. It's the, Lord's wor- it's the work of the Lord's. It's the work of the Lord. So this is, you know, this is the prophecy. Absolutely. So I, I love this. The Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to speak with other tongues, and they began to prophesy. I love that. You know, just the other night, I was, I was preaching in Shreveport Wednesday, and I was preaching about praying in other tongues and pressing into God. And, and we began to take a, a period of time and during the message where I began to just pray in the Spirit. I love it when God gives us signs. And there was a, an older gentleman, a retired missionary that was there in the service. And he came up to me and he said, you are speaking in this dialect from this small African village in West Africa when you're praying in tongues. A village that I visited, I never heard that dialect anywhere else before except in that, in that place. It says you were praying in that dialect. Pretty shocking. Yet the prayer language is supernatural. It's supernatural. It taps us into the other worlds and we begin to experience the power and presence of God. It was the beginning of what was going to happen in this region. Now here's where, this is where, where it gets really good. Let's look at this um, um, as we go on. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, this verse number 8, 9, and 10. And he went, so Paul, after this, he went to the synagogue in the city of Ephesus. And he began to speak boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. So he took these 12 guys, he was preaching in the synagogue for three months, and some were hardened and did not believe. Can you imagine that? But they spoke evil of the way of the Christians before the multitude. So he departed from them, and he withdrew his disciples, reasoning daily in this school of Tyrannus. So he rented out a school building in Ephesus to have his meetings. Now it says this continued for two years. Now let's, I want to, I want to make a little side note there. There's a, you know, in one of the original, these manuscripts were copied and handwritten. Of course, they didn't have printing presses when Paul, when Luke wrote the book of Acts. And they were handwritten and copied, and they were sending out copies to different churches for their, for their edification. So they had copies of these books to read in their, their, in their church. And in one of the copies that ended up, I believe, in Antioch, there was a footnote written in this passage of Scripture. Next to this is talking about the daily meetings in the school of Tyrannus. And it said that these meetings were taking place from 10 to 4 every day for two years. From 10 to 4 every day for two years. This was written in the first century. Now, I want to just pause for a moment. Here we are in this school with two years, six-hour meetings for, for two years being conducted by the Apostle Paul. Something's going to break loose, and something did break loose. And that's what we want to look at this morning. Let's look at let's look what happens. So this continued for two years. First, Asia, all of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus both Jews and Greeks. Now this Asia, they're talking about Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. Every person in this entire region in a matter of two years heard the gospel. Paul never left Ephesus during those two years. 
What was taking place is what takes place when there's ever a move of the Holy Ghost. It's spread abroad. People hear about it. People begin to come and spend some time there, a week or two weeks or a couple of months. This is what took place in Azusa Street in 1906. Word of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and daily meetings spread. And people came from far and wide to Los Angeles, California and sat in those meetings. And something got on them as they got in that place of saturation and the power of God's presence. Day after day after day, the glory of God began to increase. It was like a, a cloud in that room. It was like an aroma, like a presence, like, a, like the very presence of God hovering in that place. And as people came in, it got on them, it got in them, and as they left, it stayed on them and stayed with them and began to spread abroad throughout all of Asia Minor. As a matter of fact, during that revival, seven churches were started, and it's the seven churches from the book of Revelation that John listed, the book of, it talks about Theatira and Philadelphia and Sardis and Laodicea. Those seven churches were started during this revival by the power of the Holy Ghost. So as we saturate, what are we talking about this morning? Spiritual saturation. How can you do that in your daily life? Well, sometimes we have daily meetings like our summer and winter saturation. But on a, on a daily basis, you and I have to practice a lifestyle of saturation. Now, what does that mean? It means taking time every day to get under the influence of God's Word and of God's Spirit. For us to discipline ourselves for the sake of godliness, to set aside time. I know we live in a fast-moving society, but hey, you've got to stop and take time for God. You have to do it. If you want to be spiritual, if you want to carry something, if you want a mantle on your life, you've got to stop and take time and read your Bible. Begin to read the Bible for yourself. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Begin to devour the Word of God. And then take time to worship. Pray in the heavenly language. Put on the worship music and sing songs. Put it on in your car. If you can put it on in your office, put it on in your office. Begin to create an atmosphere of heaven all around you. And it starts to get on you. It gets deeper upon your life. It deepens inside your belly. You start to become a carrier of God. That's what was happening here. It began to spread abroad. You know, just as Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord... We, 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 we believe, if you look back at what took place in our church, for those of you that have been around for a while, from 1994 to 1999, what was taking place here? Daily meetings most of the time. It was meetings after meetings after meetings, and it was all kinds of just saturation after saturation after saturation after saturation. And then in 1999, one of the ways it broke out was in Beyond the Grave. It was shocking. It was shocking. It was sudden. It was dramatic. It was powerful. It was a direct result. It's just it's similar to what was taking place in this. It spread abroad. The word of the Lord began to spread abroad. It's the work of God. Then also, oh, I love this. Look at this next verse, verse 11. Is anyone listening to me out there this morning? Yep. Now God, so verse 11, so after they, the word spread, that was the direct result of saturation meetings. Asia got evangelized. Now it says that God worked unusual miracles. He worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. It says that, that, that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. 
So there was, a, there was something tangible on Paul, and it was, it was going out into people's bodies. It was touching people. Now, if you look back at the, the earlier part of Paul's ministry, there were miracles in Paul's ministry. We see him raise somebody from the dead. We see people that were paralyzed being healed. We see blind people being healed. There was obviously a, a healing mantle on the apostle Paul. But Luke said, in this situation, unusual miracles that had never taken place before began to break out as a result of the power of saturation that was taking place at the school of Tyrannus from 10 to 4 for two years. It began to break out in miracles. It's miracle signs and wonders. You know, I have this one story I've told over and over again. Some of you haven't heard it before, so for your sake, I'll tell it, and for my enjoyment, I'll tell it. But it was way back in the earliest days of our, our, our outpouring, in probably early 95. And we were having, you know, services and Sunday, we were in the Sunday morning, in the Sunday morning service, we were lining people up for prayer. And there was a guy that had come to service that morning on the, on the bus. He was a homeless guy that came into the service. And, and this guy smelled of alcohol. And um, he was, you know, he was a, a mess. He was having issues in his life. And uh, he, got, he got in the prayer line. You know, someone asked him afterwards why he got in the prayer line. He says, I know a good party when I see one, you know. People were <laughs> laughing and carrying on. And, well, this guy gets smacked by the power of God, and he gets knocked on his, on his behind on the floor, you know. Strange look on his face. He was caught by surprise but by what hit him. Well, here's the part of the story that we didn't know till next week. This guy at this time, this was 1995, I believe it was, and he was scheduled for open-heart surgery at Charity Hospital that Thursday. And he went in for his operation, and as they were making preparations for the operation, the doctor stopped and began to question him and asked him, started asking him questions. They said, first of all, you don't need an operation. You've got a, a your heart is perfectly well. It's that you have a healthy heart. We don't need to operate on you. And they started to ask him what happened because his heart was diseased. What happened to you, they asked him. And he came and told us the next Sunday what he told the doctors. He says, well, I really don't know. I haven't done anything medically, but the only thing that I know is I went to the church on Airline Highway, and he said, this drunken pastor prayed for me. And he, that's what he said. That's what he told the doctor. And he said, something happened. Now, this is, this is an unusual miracle. It's the power of saturation. It's what can happen. Now, if, if you think about it, you're going to think the most godly person, the person that's been in church for years, the guy, he's listening to tapes, he's listening to the word. He's, he, you, know, you think that's the one. But God's, I'm going to get this guy. It was overflow from the presence, the healing presence resident in this place. Now, in, in Paul's case, it says they started taking pieces of cloth off of his body tearing the, piece, the, the garments that he had worn, and they began to, to send it out. They began to send it out, not as fundraising tactics like people like to do today, but they were taking the pieces of cloth out, and they were putting it on people's bodies. People that were diseased, that were dying, that couldn't be brought into the services or lived too far away. People that were oppressed and demonized. And it says the, the people that the piece of cloth was put on, the devils came out and their bodies were healed by the power of His presence. The power of His presence. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is real. It's not a philosophy. It's not a belief. The power of His presence is real. You can feel His presence come upon you. The power of His presence can increase. It can get stronger on your life. 
And as you come under the influence of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, as you're touched by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, it not only affects you, it can get on you. If it can get on a piece of cloth, it can surely get on a Christian. You can become a carrier of the anointing on your life if you want to be. If you want to be. These 12 disciples who are newly, new young Christians began to experience not only the power of his presence, but they became carriers of this mantle, of this anointing that began to grow and affect the church in Ephesus. I love this. Now we're getting ready. We're going to have communion in just a second here. But a couple other things I want to, I want to mention. It says that, um, that it, the handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, I, this, um, we'll go on with this, this last part of the story. This is, this is quite incredible. Now, Ephesus was a, was a, was a port town. It was, it was a wicked city. It was known for prostitution. It was known for cult worship, for idolatry. It was a place of, of incredible, incredible stronghold of homosexuality. It was, it was, it was the, the, the Roman society had become so perverse, they had sex with everything. It was just a gross place. It was, it was a disgusting place. And they, there, there needed to be a, a, a visitation of God to get people out of that wicked, dark society. Not unlike New Orleans. Now, don't listen. Just listen to me. We live in a dark city, if you haven't figured it out yet. If you haven't gone outside for a while of this region, we live in a dark region. And the, I remember Lester Summerall told me one time, Lester Summerall was born in New Orleans and he used to come to our church before he went to heaven and he, he told me one time, this is what he said, it shocked me, he said, the nations of the world have come to New Orleans and left their sins here. That's what he said. He says, they come here and do things they'd never dream of doing back home. We need the power of God. We need more than a, than a good doctrine and a slick presentation. We need more than a creed if we want to see change. We, we're, we're after change in a culture. We want a visitation of God that will rip people out. Is it possible? I say absolutely. Is it the will of God? Absolutely it's the will of God. To bust a culture wide open takes the power of His Word and the power of His Spirit. The Word of God coming in power and authority. It takes a church in one accord, one heart, one soul, saying the same thing with one heart and one soul, saying, Oh God, give us more. We're happy for what you've done, but we know there's more, oh God. We know there's more. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information. 